have a definite time frame. They happen at certain times, but Lord, I thank you more that your mercy is endless as the sea. That Lord, your mercy goes on and on, and it covers our sins because of what Jesus did for us, shed his blood by dying on the cross, and that blood covers our sins. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, help us to come to you, to receive your forgiveness, and then to walk in obedience to you and your word. Lord, we thank you for the reality of your love to each and every one of us. Lord, help us to receive that love and to walk in that love and that forgiveness that you've given to us. Lord, we just thank you for that. Lord, open our hearts now. Lord, help us to receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I did want to remind you that um, in the back on the information table, we have some little boxes like this. And these boxes are to support the pregnancy center. They're just a place to put coins. Um, There's a few back there. There's some they can make up. Um, But if you'd like to take one home, um, take them home and slip your coins in there. Actually, they're big enough to slip cash in there if you want to. But... um, but just do that. I'm not sure when we're going to pick them up. We'll probably wait a month or so, and then we'll collect them and take them to the pregnancy center. But just another nice way, a simple way of uh, helping support the pregnancy center. Um, we've been talking about our tongue and, and words. We've been talking about the power of words, that words um, are life and death. And, uh, and so today I want to talk about some of the negative things we do with our tongue. And it's called guard your tongue. You know, when we think about words, I think it's good to think about, you know, specific things that we can see and, and specific things that we can work on. In Psalms 141.3, it says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Lord, set a guard over my mouth. I think that's a, probably a great prayer to pray every day. Um, I would say that probably it's a daily thing. Um, a good thing to remember is, Lord, set a guard over my mouth. Watch over the door of my lips. Watch what I say. And when we say that, what are we guarding against? What are we guarding against? And so I want to look at four or five examples of things that we guard against. And the first one I want to take a look at is using the Lord's name in vain. In Exodus, the 20th chapter, the 7th verse, it says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. We shall not take the Lord's name in vain. In Matthew 6, 9, Jesus said his name was holy. Holy is his name. Holy is his name. That name that's above every other name. You know, this is just not anybody's name. This is the name of the living God. Is the name that above every other name, anything you can name, I don't care what it is, anything you can name, his name is above that. And because of that and because of who he is, we need to make sure that we hallow his name, keep his name holy. What does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain? I believe it's to take it irreverently, casually, flippantly. We need to be very careful when we use his name. We don't use it in casual conversation. We don't use his name to falsely falsify our promises. Or we don't need to use his name to make our promises more valid. 
you know, our promises should be valid because as Christians, we speak the truth. The Bible says, let your yea be nay and let your nay be nay. We speak the truth. We don't have to add God's name to it to, to give it validity. We definitely shouldn't use God's name to curse others. Ask God's curse on someone else. You know, we should not, we should not use his name to do that. When we're usually, usually when we're angry, usually when we're angry, if we do it when we're angry and we do it a lot, we'll do it without even knowing it. We'll be damning everything around us. I, I know I, you know, I try to, I know one of the things I've always done as a pastor, I try to stay in touch with the world. You know, I, I try to stay in touch with real people. And uh, the other day I was in touch with some real people. And uh, they, they were damning everything that they could touch. I'm, and I'm sitting there listening to this, you know, and I, I, you know, and I don't feel compelled to try to straighten somebody out. That's not where I would try to start with, you know. If they don't know the Lord, you know, they need to start by knowing him and his name being holy to them. So I'm not going to sit there and lecture them. About, but I'm just sitting there thinking, wow, wow. They're damning everything in their life. And they're using God's name to do it. And we're not to curse others or things. We're not to use God's name to embellish our words or use it for emphasis. You know, don't be using the Lord's name to emphasize the fact that you're upset about something. Sometimes we do that. Well, people won't know I mean it unless I use the... No, you don't have to do that. You know, we don't have to use his name to make emphasis to what we're saying. Just let your yay be yay, your nay be nay. Just let your words be what they are and just speak them. You don't have to emphasize them by invoking God's name. And we're not to use his name and take it in vain. And it says the Lord will hold us guilty if we do that. He will hold us guilty. He does not want us taking his name in vain. The second one is something that Probably we don't very seldom think about. But in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, the third and fourth verse, it says, Don't let any filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor just coursing, just coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. You know, there's quite a list of things there, and it talks about, in the midst of that, it says, no filthiness or foolish talking or coarse jesting. What is coarse jesting? That's when we joke at somebody else's expense. You know, and, and, and I'm going to tell you something. It can start out very innocently, and I've seen it many a time. Oh, we were just joking. Have you ever heard that said? Well, we were just joking, and all of a sudden, they took it serious. And I've seen it happen, you know. Um, I've shared before that, you know, I had a bad habit in, <laughs> of doing that at early in my life. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and I especially enjoyed it if I could get somebody that could participate, you know. And, and I, when I worked at Marathon, there was a lady that was the secretary there, and, and she was really good at it, so we had a good time. We had a good time. The danger is, and I never had a problem with her, but the danger is that you do that, and it becomes a habit, and then you're going to do it with the wrong person. You're going to do it with the wrong person. 
Because not everybody wants to be joked about and be the butt of your joke. You know, and coarse jesting is just a bad habit. And I finally realized, you know, I have to give this up. This is not this is not good. And it's joking to harm somebody. To make fun of someone. And I want to tell you, making fun, it starts out innocently, but I've seen it many, many times. It ends up in somebody's upset. Somebody's upset. Um, and we don't joke to put somebody down. Sometimes we do it to put others down, to build ourselves up, to make us look good. And, and so we kind of, well, I was just joking. Have you ever been around that situation where somebody, well, I was just joking. And do you felt like underneath it they weren't always just joking? You know, there was, there was a little something reality to what was being said. The fact is, you can't really sort that all out sometimes. You can't always tell. The reality is, we need to learn to be encouragers. We need to learn to be uplifting to people, not, not joking in ways that can tear them down. And so I think it's something that, you know, we just need to be aware of. That it's not good. It's not good. It doesn't, it doesn't do anybody any good. You know, what's, what's the good that comes of it? You know, what's the good that comes out of it? Number three is, is, is a kind of an obvious one, maybe. Maybe not. Maybe they're all obvious if you don't do them. Um, Proverbs, the sixth chapter, it talks about lying. <clears throat> Proverbs, the sixth chapter, the 16th verse. Six things the Lord hates. To me, if the Bible says there's six things the Lord hates, then I ought to pay attention because these are probably something pretty serious. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises evil plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. The one I want to look at is lying. Lying. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the 25th verse, it also says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Put away lying. Why do we lie in the first place? Why do we do it? You know, why lie? Well, sometimes we do it to protect ourselves from being found doing wrong. What do your kids do? You know, did you do that? Did you spill that? No, it wasn't me. And what do you say? There's nobody else in the room. <laughs> you know, who, how did you think this happened? I don't know. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. They don't want to get caught. They don't want to get caught. And so they find themselves lying. As parents, I think it's something we need to really focus in on. You know, focus in on. We try to protect ourselves. We try to embellish a situation to make us look good. You know, I remember the kids used to sing a song. Stretching the truth is telling a lie. And you, you think about it. Oh, just stretching the truth? You mean, I really caught, I caught five fish, but I told my friends I caught seven or eight or ten, I'm not sure. You mean that embellishing a little bit is the same as lying? Stretching the truth is telling a lie. Oh, wow. And we do it to make ourselves look better. To make ourselves look better. 
We do it to speak about someone else in order to tear them down and make them make us look better. Sometimes we want to do it. We lie about somebody else to make us look better. I lie about what somebody did. You know, I lie about somebody and say, well, and I embellish it maybe. Or maybe I, you tell the truth about somebody, but I embellish it a little bit. Well, we need to be careful because that's lying. We lie because, you know, eventually lying can become a habit. That's why I think it's important for parents to really focus in on lying. You really need to focus in on lying with your children because if they do it long enough, they'll do it. And, you know, I find, I find you know, kids that are in their 20s, and you know what? I can't believe a word they say. I have a couple of people in my life right now that I, I just, I, I got to the point. I can't believe a word they say. I catch them lying all the time, so I eventually go, I don't even know if that's true. Because they've, it's become a habit. It's become a habit. They do it without even knowing it. And so we have to guard against that. One of the things I think as a parent, sometimes to encourage your children to tell the truth, you have to give them a break when they tell you the truth. If you're going to punish them, if, you, if they did something and you catch them in a lie and they lie to you, at some point in time, you've got to figure a way to reward them for telling you the truth. This may seem as kind of kind of backwards, but at some point you have to reward your children for truth. You know, at some point you got to say, okay, you know, I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to do what I was going to do because you told me the truth. You, gotta, you have to find a way for rewarding truth. Otherwise, your kids will continue to lie to you because they don't want to get caught or they don't want to, maybe sometimes they don't even want to disappoint you. You know, maybe they don't want to disappoint you. They lie because, well, what are you going to think about me? You know, and I think it's important for parents, you know, find ways, encourage truth. You know, sometimes when we, you know, if your children are lying, you got to deal with lying, but sometimes it's not just dealing with lying, but we need to encourage them how to tell the truth. So we need to encourage truth. You know, tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. I went to school with a young man in, in grade school, and I always admired him. Matter of fact, well, I won't. Right. He's still around. Um, <laughs> Um, he goes to church here. But anyway, but I always admired him because no matter what the teacher said, did you do it? He always told the truth. I, and I really admired that. I mean, he got in trouble. But he, he was always like, yep, I did it. I did. I always admired that. What, what, a, what, a, what a great characteristic to always you know, tell the truth. You know, yeah, I did it. Because a lot of kids, that's not natural. You know, most people, oh, no, it wasn't me. It was somebody else, you know. Always told the truth, even if he knew it meant getting in trouble. I believe another reason that we lie, and I don't know that this happens very often, but I personally believe people are born liars. I believe we're born in sin. I believe some people got it inside of them. I don't know if you've ever run across that. You know, some kids just, they, they first think, they just lie. You know, I believe that's a spiritual problem. I believe lying is a spirit. I believe then you deal with that accordingly. You can cast that out. You deal with that. But if you, I think that's possible. But sometimes people just have a, something in them that causes them to lie all the time. 
And I think it's important for parents, you know, you identify those things. Now, every time your kids lie, don't go try to cast the devil on them because they're, you know, don't do that. But deal with it and try to teach them truth. Try to teach them truth that, you know, as Christians, we want to tell the truth. And lying is not something that we want to use our, our tongue for. The next one is gossip. In Psalms 101, verse 5. It says, a perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. One who secretly slanders his neighbor. When one talks about somebody else to a third party to destroy someone's reputation. Talking about somebody else, slandering somebody. You know, to destroy them is gossip. Why do we gossip? Well, sometimes we do it because somebody hurt me, and that's how I'm going to get even. Somebody said something about me, so I'm going to tell somebody something about them. I'm going to somehow tear them down and spread the word about somebody. We gossip because we're afraid to go directly to the person and, and talk to them. Instead of going to somebody about the situation, we want to tell 15 other people. The Bible says you're to go to them personally. Not talk to everybody else. You're to go to them. Not gossip about them. Sometimes we gossip about people to tear them down to make us look better. You know, if I can, if I can make everybody else come down a little bit, that kind of elevates me. Sometimes we want to ruin somebody's reputation so a third person, a third party will be friends to us. Sometimes, you know, we want to, we want to get other people, well, this is why you shouldn't like them. Um, I don't know, but it seems like this happens a lot in the junior high age. <laughs> I don't know. It happens in adults too, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But there's a lot of it that goes on at that age. Kids are trying to figure out who they are and so they want to talk about everybody else to try to give some validity to who they are. And, and it just gets to be really bad. Sometimes we're envious of someone else's place in life, their position. So we want to tear them down. We want to tear them down. As Christians, we need to be encouragers. We need to be encouragers of other people. And not talk about them to pull them down. I don't know. I, I think somewhere in my childhood, somebody said, if you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. You know, if you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. Sometimes you might say, well, then what's left to say? Well, that keeps you pretty quiet. <laughs> Sometimes it just keeps you kind of quiet. You know, if you can't say anything good, just don't say anything at all. You know? Sometimes I believe then the last one is words that bring death. Proverbs 18.21 says, life and Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit, fruit either way. I believe there's words and phrases we need to avoid. 
I believe there's some things we just need to avoid them. Maybe it's not 100%, but I think by and large there are certain words you just need to be really careful about what you're saying. One of them is, I hate. I hate. People hate everything. People hate everything. They hate green beans. They hate broccoli. They hate liver. I don't like liver, but I don't hate it. I just don't like it. You know, I don't. I don't. I don't eat it. I don't hate it. You know, we have to be very careful. Hate. I hate. I hate because you know what? All of a sudden, we're going to start hating people. I hate you. I hate you. I believe that's a phrase that shouldn't shouldn't come out of our mouth. I think we probably can hate sin. I think that's okay. But chances are, people aren't saying that much. You know, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but chances are when you use the word hate, you're using it towards a whole lot of other things other than sin. So by and large, I think that's a phrase that you ought to just discard from your vocabulary unless you're actually talking about sin. I hate. I hate. Sometimes we need to be careful about absolutes. Um, Think about it. When you say to your kids, why don't you ever? Now, why don't you ever means that they never you know, and, and it, what is it saying to your child? It's it probably after, why don't you ever, comes a very negative thing. Why don't you ever? Or you never. You never. When people say you never, usually something not positive comes out after you never. I think we need to be careful about Saying things like, you know, if you keep doing it, you're never going to mount anything. You know, if you hear that as a child all the time, what do you think? You know, mom and dad told me something. I'm never going to mount anything. What's your chances? What's your chances? Mom and dad said I'd never mount anything. You don't say things like you're dumb. You're a failure. You're weird. What is it? Well, you know, if you hear that all the time. And here's something I want to tell you. I don't know the statistics. I make up statistics sometimes, and I'm making this one up. Most of the time, I won't even give a percentage. Most of the time, negative words stick a lot longer than positive words. It's amazing. It's amazing. If you say something negative about somebody, I'm telling you, it'll stick a hundred times longer than a positive word you share. Negative words seem to get in us and don't seem to want to go away. We need to be very careful about those words that bring death. Don't try to shame your children into doing something. Don't try to shame them in. You know, teach them, train them, tell them the truth, but don't try to shame them. Well, if you do that, you know, your eyes are going to fall out. Or you better not do this. You better, you know, don't try to shame your children into doing something because it ends up being a negative. Just tell them and train them and teach them. We need to be very careful because our words are either life or death. Life or death to children and to adults. And we need to be careful about the things we say. And let me just say this quickly. If you was a child who had words like that spoken to you, that the good news is God wants to redeem that and redeem those words that were spoken to you. That those words do not have 
a place in your life that God redeems that. And he turned that around. But I just want to tell you, once those words get in there, somehow they get implanted deep in us and they stick. They stick and it's hard to get them out sometimes. So we need to be careful. We need to be careful that when we speak, we speak words of life and encouragement. You know, know your children, know their, know their real talents, know their abilities, encourage them in those areas. You know, encourage them in those areas that they, they do well. You know, those words that speak life to them. God's got a plan for you. Um, music, let me say this for young people. Music is a huge factor in life or death. There's a lot of music out there that just flat out speaks death to you. Flat out. If you want to end up being what God wants you to be and you listen to words of death through music, it's going to be a real struggle. It's going to be a real struggle. Music is either life or death. And there's a lot of just flat out death music out there. And that's what it wants to do. It'll listen to it. It'll just tell you, you ought to just die. You're worthless anyway. I mean, it's un- to me, it's unbelievable. Why somebody would want to listen to that in the first place. Why would I want to listen to something that's going to tell me death? But I, I think that's a big deal right now in some, in, for some kids. But parents, watch what your kids listen to. Pay attention what they got plugged into their ears. I'm not sure plugged into their ears so you can't hear it is a good thing. I'm not sure about that because you can't screen that. You can't screen it. But be very careful because music is life or death. Life or death. So as Christians, you know, the scripture I shared in the beginning, you know, set a guard over our mouth, O Lord. You know, Lord, guard my mouth. Now, it's not all his responsibility. You have personal responsibility in the words you share. So don't say, well, I asked God to guard my mouth and must not be working. I'm still saying bad things. You know, don't blame him for your mouth. (laughs) You know, Lord, set a guard over my mouth. Let your Holy Spirit speak to me. Convict me when I say things that I shouldn't say. Better yet, help me to think about what I say before I open my mouth. I always say, once it's out, you can't put it back. Once it's out and it's done its damage, you can't get it back. You can say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. You can do that, but it has effect. It has effect. And so, Lord, put a guard over my mouth. Help me to speak the things that you want me to speak. Next week, we're going to talk about the good things we should speak. What should, what should we say? What are words that bring life? What kind of things should we say to one another, to those around us? And if you think about it, what kind of people do you want to bring around? What kind of people do you want to? Well, most of us, you know, there's a few that want to be around if they feel familiar with death and that whole thing. But most people want to bring around somebody that's encouraging and brings life to them and says encouraging things and good things. So next week we're going to look at that. What does it mean to say words of life and what are words of life that we as Christians can speak. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we see the power in words. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us to speak words of life. Lord, put a guard over our mouth. Let your Holy Spirit convict us when we say things we shouldn't. Lord, help us to be aware of what we say, not just use words just uh, flippantly. Lord, help us to be sensitive.
And Lord, help us to be words of encouragement and to speak words of encouragement to those around us. Lord, we thank you that you, you speak words of life to us. Lord, that when you came, you said, I have come that you may have life and you may have life more abundantly. It's the devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So Lord, we thank you for the life that you give to us. And Lord, help us to share that wherever we go and whatever we do. We just thank you for being with us. Lord, dismiss us now with your blessing. We just pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.